Hello everybody and welcome to the Like I Care About podcast with me, Soph Beresford. So today we're going to be talking about racism and the impact it can have on your mental health. I'm going to warn in advance there might be some experiences we discuss that you may find upsetting or triggering so please do take care when listening to this episode and reach out for support if you need it. I'm going to pop some links and some contacts in the show notes for any support if you need it. I'm also going to warn that it's a topic I'm quite passionate about. So if a swear word or two pops out, I apologise in advance. So I am with Faya today and Faya is going to be helping me talk about the subject. It's something that I know nothing about. It's I've never experienced it personally. But as a qualified medic and an anti-racism activist based in Edinburgh, Faya is going to talk to me all about this topic and the work that she's been doing to combat this issue. Faya is also the co-founder of the amazing support network Racism Unmasked Edinburgh, which aims to raise awareness about racism towards East and Southeast Asian people in the UK. So let's get started. Hello, Faye, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Very much for coming on. I am really, really pleased to have you on. As I said, it's not this is not a topic I can talk about in any way, shape or form um, as a white woman living in the UK. So to have you on, to be able to share your own experiences and, and the work you're doing, I'm very grateful. And I think anybody listening to this, regardless of their circumstances or their background, is going to get a lot out of it. So um, I'm delighted to have you on. As I kind of mentioned in the first podcast, for those that listened, um, I have an opening feature called I Don't Care, and it's where I ask our guest to tell me something that they don't actually care about. So I don't know what you've got in mind, but if you want to tell us all what you don't actually care about, we will see if I'm as shocked as I was last time. (laughs) Oh, what do I not care about? I do not care how much you can bench at the gym (laughs) I just you know what I mean like people put their personal bests on their Instagram stories just like I don't really have a concept of how heavy that is but also you know like I don't really I don't care about that it's not until I started having a PT that I really understood but people could put like 50 kilograms originally I go impressive and then somebody put 300 and I'd be like how are you still alive how <laughs> is that possible so I, t- yeah. I totally understand what you mean I get it when it maybe it's somebody's livelihood and you follow that person for that reason uh-huh. but when it's you know somebody that is kind of just putting up regularly I for reasons that I don't necessarily understand I get what you mean yeah. it's a bit like which I, I'm going to throw my hands up because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I was one of those people in lockdown that was like, look at my 5K. I look back now and I think, so you should have not, that's just embarrassing. But, <laughs> you know, unless you're an athlete, I'm not really, I get you, I'm not really asked. Uh, I guess it is like a positive thing. I, I, I don't know, like sharing your progress and stuff. But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of us felt a lot of pressure to also do that 5k challenge. <laughs> I am actually, I can say pretty solidly that I'm allergic to running because whenever I run, <laughs> because I'm a- asthmatic. So whenever I run, my throat closes up. 
So I actually officially do not do it yeah. um, for health reasons. So I was tagged in that 5K challenge and I was just like, nope, not doing it. You're trying to well, kill me. Just, not doing as it. soon as it says 5K and then it's got the NHS in it, you're like, well, I'm obliged, aren't I? That's what yeah. I was yeah. doing. Yeah, otherwise you're a bad human. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's just all there, you know, people can see that you've been tagged and you've just been publicly shamed. So you've got no choice. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That is a very good one. That is a, a different one to uh, the one we had the other day. So thank you for that. Um, so we're going to get straight into it. I'm not really one, as we kind of talked about before, to shy away from the big questions. So I'm going to get straight in there and ask you, do you think that we've got an issue with racism in the UK? What's your personal opinion about that? I'd say yes. Um, at the start of the work that I've been doing, I've only been doing it for about eight months. But at the start, if someone asked me that, I'd be really reluctant to say yes, because I didn't want to upset anyone, didn't want to offend anyone. But actually, me being an East Asian woman living in the UK for all of my life, I've lived this life, I have the lived experiences, and I can fully say that there's not been one month even that I haven't received some kind of racial ag aggression or microaggression. And that's just me, like as a singular person, obviously everyone has different experiences and some people are very lucky and maybe they don't have as many, but we can all say um, that we know, like within the community as well, we all know someone who has had quite a horrific attack on happened to them or we've had um attacks happen to us personally and that's just enough even in that small bubble and in the grand scheme of things our community like it's not it's not that that big but even within that bubble we've got this abundance of like experience that people can share um yeah, and I obviously I can't speak for other communities, but we know with Black Lives Matter, like the, the statistics coming out in the UK, I think if you're a black man, you're seven times more likely to be stopped and searched by the police. Um, and just one, even one statistic like that, you know that there's a racial disparity. And I work in healthcare and I think black women are 50% less likely to receive the right um, pain relief uh, during medical procedures because either they're not like they don't get taken seriously for the pain that they're in or they just people assume that they don't need it and um, it leads to a lot of suffering a lot of discomfort and that just on a basic level like if someone's in pain you give them painkillers obviously you'd think that that would be the case but yeah yeah you can really see the disparities there and yeah, so I think we definitely have a lot to say, a lot here um, to do with racism, even just with our colonialist roots and colonialist history. We can't shy away from that. We have to, in order to move forward, we have to address it. Yeah. And I think it's something, you know, I, I talk to my friends about this quite a lot because I think the last 18 months and everything that obviously happened in America with George Floyd has triggered this really important conversation about racism in general. And we were talking about colonialism and how we don't get actually taught about that a lot in school so actually mm -hmm. we grow up in quite an ignorant and naive mindset of well that was very that was in our past so we can just kind of forget about that and it's like no actually that very much informs society today and you can't mm -hmm. walk away from history you have to learn from history and we yeah. have to face it and say we did this and this is something that we can never do again whereas I think that 
the lack of education that we get it isn't isn't acceptable mm-hmm. in school you know so um but it's interesting you know with everything as I say that happened over in America I think there was a real focus on right there's an issue in America with racism and it was it was all focused on America's issue but actually people were quite quick to defend the UK and say we don't have an issue here you know this is an American issue but yeah as we've kind of touched on and as you've highlighted it is an issue here and it would be very stupid to think that we don't have an issue when Mm -hmm. we are a multicultural society and there are people with in my opinion archaic views about certain communities that it just needs to be eradicated but they do that those people do exist yeah 100% I think in any situation even if you're in the nicest most most um equal country in the world if even if you are in a place like that like a utopia you are erasing people's individuality and their individual experiences by saying something as broad as that saying that we don't have a problem um and people I've, I've heard in especially being from Scotland people here actually believe that they don't like they're more friendly than the English like the English oppressed us and um we know what racism is like even though it's not like a race issue it's more xenophobia mm. um yeah so I, I've heard a lot of people say things like that in order to erase my experiences here and um basically tell me to stop talking about my problems because apparently they don't exist so um yeah it's very reductive yeah. saying things like that mm-hmm. absolutely and how have as I kind of touched on, one of the biggest events alongside the pandemic was um, naming just one of the kind of racist uh, attacks and events being George Floyd. How how have events like that over the last 18 months affected you personally? I think, first of all, we have a lot to thank the Black community for, um, for all of their hard work and for all of their activism. They have been activists for decades if not centuries for black rights um and they've really paved the way for um fighting for racial justice and they've come up with all of the vocabularies like I didn't know what microaggression meant I didn't know what a lot of different terminologies that we now use meant at the start I went into this completely just from nothing um without really engaging in a lot of um like dialogues around race before and it was actually Black Lives Matter that really gave us a lot of energy and a lot of motivation and the ability to be able to speak up mm-hmm. so I think at the start we we got a lot of all over the world um activist groups got a lot of um inspiration from the the George Floyd case and from Black Lives Matter really showing up for their community um and then it led to our community, unfortunately, because of the pandemic um, and the virus originating in China, people have used that as a way to show their racism more. Um, We've had a lot of, because we deal with victim support and we have a community where we encourage people to share their experiences so that they can validate others and validate themselves when they experience something. Um, We've had a lot of people report um, hate crime like pandemic related hate crime um and that's actually why we started we started because um there was an attack outside of edinburgh university library 
on an East Asian student who was just, I think he was studying, uh, writing an essay um, for one of his final year assignments. Mm-hmm. And he came out at not even that late, like 7 p.m., 6 p.m. for dinner. And he was sitting right outside the library door, like not even out of sight, like he was within, like, um, yeah, he could see the entrance of the library from where he was. Mm-hmm. And he was attacked by a group of people, like kicked on the floor, had they uh, attempted to smash a bottle on his head um, and they were shouting racial slurs at him and suggesting that he brought COVID to this country. We, you hear that a lot. It's just absolutely disgusting. Mm. Um, we started because of that, because uh, the university didn't deal with it very well. The security staff is all fully staffed at that time, but they didn't show up until after the attackers had left. Um, there were no really that many bystanders uh, there were a lot of people there but I think a lot of people chose to just move on and not do anything and so we decided to put this together um, this organization because we didn't actually feel like we had a community we didn't feel like we could have support if that happened to any of us we didn't feel like there was anywhere that we could turn and anywhere that we could go to speak about these things so um, yeah that kind of thing I think the Met Police um, reported an increase this is earlier this year so I think the statistics have changed now but um, earlier this year they reported over the 2020 and 2021 period um, the increase of East and Southeast Asian hate crimes went up oh sorry the increase was 300 um, percent and that was during pretty much full lockdown yeah. So now that restrictions have lifted and people are out and about more, there's inevitably going to be more. Yeah. Um, we've definitely seen an increase just by speaking to our community. Um, and recently, unfortunately, in places like London, there have been a few racially motivated murders of East and Southeast Asian um, elderly women. We've not just seen this in the UK. It's been pretty extreme over in the US and it's very disturbing for us and very traumatizing for all of us to follow the pages that are reporting this because we want to stay informed but at the same time we're seeing people who look like our friends our family our grandparents being attacked on the street and attackers aren't even they don't uh, they don't face any consequences a lot of the time they just they get a slap on the wrist and then they're let away again it, some of them are very horrific attacks because they have more guns over there and so yeah it's been a very hard year for not yeah for our community and for the black community and just for people of color in general it's, it's been a I think this year it's widened the gap like the racial disparity gap I guess you could say I think it all started with, it got kick-started with Brexit, I feel, because mm-hmm. people became more like anti-immigration, anti-foreigners. And then the pandemic happened and George Floyd, George Floyd's murder happened. And I just feel like everything took a huge step back. I don't, I don't even feel like we did have much progress before, but at least things were better than they are now. I just yeah. feel like things right now are so much worse. Yeah, it feels very, it does feel quite divided. And I'm, I, I, I think it made me realise that even, as I say, as a white person, I've got so much that I need to do to educate myself. I've always considered myself somebody that's very passionately anti-racist, but actually 
all this literature that was coming out, I thought, no, I need to, I need to do more. It's not just about if I hear people say something racist, stepping in, which I'll anybody that knows me knows that I'll very happily do because I just cannot stand it. But it's also about me educating myself, looking at, as we touched on, the past and actually looking at society and how it's very much favoured to white people so even even I remember reading something it was even really simple things like plasters being in my skin colour I've never thought about before why have I've never had to that's part of my privilege but small things like that that I just think there's so much work that we need to do rather than saying we are an inclusive society actually we need to walk the walk and not just talk the talk and Mm. there's so much more that we all we've all got a responsibility to Mm. especially in, in the white community to educate ourselves I'm never going to understand what it feels like to be any other race because I'm I'm, I'm not so I'm, I'm never going to be able to truly understand as you say the vulnerability and the fear that as given that we've been talking about it, the East Asian community has experienced because as a result of the pandemic and as you say people's views on how the virus got to the UK and all those sorts of things but so I, I will never truly understand what it feels like for people to hurl racist abuse at me, but I can certainly do a lot to try and understand and play a part in making sure that that is not acceptable and that there mm-hmm. is greater punishment. You know, I, I do have a privilege that I need to use a lot more. I thought I was, but I've just the last 18 months has shown me that I haven't and there's, a, there's still a lot that we we can do, given that we've kind of touched on it. And as long as you're happy to do so, is there, have you personally experienced racist comments or abuse before? And, and does it, do you find that it happens often? I think you said it, at least once a month. Um, I think once a month is severely under, underestimating it. Mm. Unfortunately, when people ask me this question in my head, I'm like, I don't even need to think about it because it's part of my life constantly. Like even just yesterday, even if it's not, happening to you directly you know I notice it happening to other people around me so through that when you see it happen to other people who are of the same background as you or even people from different backgrounds and they're people of color as well you get this vicarious trauma which is something that I'll probably talk about when we speak about more mental health stuff afterwards but um, you get this vicarious trauma that it feels like it's happening to you because you know you know what that's like and you've experienced it before and so you are you're having to re-experience that through that other person having that happen to them so even just yesterday on the bus like this happened to me throughout the pandemic I've actually had people like spit at me and um people in supermarkets like say racial slurs like over my shoulder at me um even just yesterday coming home on the bus um from placement there was a Chinese woman on the bus speaking to I think it was her husband about plans like when do I come home when are we picking up the kids just like really um everyday stuff like that and there were just people around her shaking their head at her because she was speaking in her native language she was speaking in Chinese and they were like a lot of people were sighing and tutting and shaking their head and within the space of an hour I saw this happen to two different people and it's the the things like that that are so subtle that you you before I'd be uncomfortable pointing that out and saying that's racist but I know deep down that it's happened to me before and it's because I'm foreign and it's because I'm speaking a language that they don't understand it's because they don't like that and 
yeah, just seeing it, it's more, it's easier to point out almost. I've had actually people come to me and say, I almost prefer to be punched in the face because at least you know it's a hate crime. At least you know it was violent. At least you know the intentions were bad. Whereas if someone does a mic, it uh, is doing a microaggression, it's often so subtle that you can't exactly say what it is about that that makes it racist but it is a pattern that the community sees a lot of us have been through the same thing yeah and you start as a victim you start gaslighting yourself you start feeling very ashamed because you think that you're just being sensitive you think you it's just things that we've been told growing up you're, you're sensitive you're um, making a big deal out of nothing that like you should just mind your own business what happens if they weren't doing it for out of hate what happens if it was just they were having a bad day we say these things to ourselves all the time and it actually increases the amount of trauma we get from it because we kind of internalize the racism afterwards yeah so <laughs> i have unfortunately experienced a lot and i've seen a lot happen to my mom and my sister growing up and it's definitely gotten worse during the pandemic yeah and it's and it's you know it's for me it's really sad to hear that people have made you feel that way because that's the kind of behavior that I would find it quite hard to witness and not say something I mean is it, what I find quite unbelievable is these people are probably being wildly hypocritical and are very happy for English people to go over to a lot of Spanish countries and enforce our culture on them but if anybody does it to the UK that's not acceptable and you just think well how you can't do it. that's what just unbelievably hypocritical to say one way is acceptable but the other isn't it's yeah. I, that's what I as we talked about I, I that's what I love about Manchester is there's there's so much culture here I love that whereas growing up in the Cotswolds as you can imagine not a lot of um different communities coming together and that's yeah. you know I, I think that's the beauty of the UK is that we do have a mix of different cultures but I, I just struggle to understand why people have an issue with that but I appreciate me and people who are openly racist probably have a very different different mindset I'm very proud to be on my side and mm. you know I'll save my comments about them probably for for later but um you know it's, it's very as I said I can't I can't comprehend I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I understand what it feels like to witness that mm -hmm. as somebody that's from um East Asian community because I, I just don't. I think that the closest thing I can compare it to, I've, I've had this revelation on a call with some friends who were asking me about it and we were, it was after the Sarah Everard murder mm. and they were speaking about how as women when they go out for a run or for anything they just feel like they're being threatened when they're um, running past a group of men or a group of men are walking past wherever they are, or just men in general, they feel really nervous about it because everyone was hyper aware of this case and how bad sexism was and misogyny was prevalent throughout our society still. And I actually realized it's similar to that because I'm a woman too. And in certain situations, I do, I do experience that being a woman is, is very difficult very distinctly because I'm a woman, but also sometimes it's also tied in with the racism aspect. Um, they often come hand in hand, but that that kind of hypervigilance when you're walking down the street and it's dark, or if you're 
you feel like your your outfit is too revealing and you feel like people are staring at you weird or certain things like that you're constantly checking yourself you're constantly telling yourself that oh I shouldn't be doing this I shouldn't be doing that like I hope they don't see me I, I need to walk a bit faster it's ex- mm-hmm. I think it feels obviously they're two separate things and they're they both have their different nuances but it feels almost identical yeah. um because it's an anxiety is a it's something that you can't help you can't help yeah. being a woman you were born this way um I don't want people to think that I'm I'm making a direct comparison between the two because they are different but yeah. as a person with both experiences that I can definitely say that the feeling of that is very similar yeah and what what um I don't know if this is you kind of want to draw on your own personal experience or you want to talk about it in general but what impact do you think racism has on people's mental health so whether that's something you personally experienced or you've seen the impact it's had on other people because I've thought about this for a long time that actually if you're being persecuted for being just who you are that surely is going to have an impact on how you view yourself and how you go about day-to-day activity so I don't know if, if you've got any experiences you want to share about that or as I say if you've got any sort of comments on that uh, yeah, from my own personal experience, especially during the whole COVID time, um, I've really experienced a lot of anxiety. Um, I'm quite an anxious person generally as well, but it really amped up to the point where I didn't want to leave my house because right at the start, uh, just before lockdown, February time in 2020, um, when we were hearing about the news, um, of Wuhan and then Italy and Iran um, but we hadn't like actually locked down ourselves yet I was getting so many comments and I was getting I remember going out on a night out and I got two people yelling racist things at me and I just couldn't enjoy myself I remember just being so ready for a night out during that day I was on a placement and a patient actually hurled racist abuse at me so I was already in quite a low kind of place because in those situations I say to myself oh I have to I'm like a public provider like I have to look after them I have a duty of care um, and also they're old and confused so like it's not their fault so I can kind of get over that but I was st- it still puts a big down on your day and I was just when you're trying to, to, you're just trying to help somebody you know that's that's your job that's why you've gone into what you're you've yeah. decided to go into because you want to help people so to have that as a as kind of like a, a payment I suppose is that, that that's the gratitude that they're showing is is hurling racist abuse that's that must be quite um as you say it must have an impact on how how you feel and it must be quite upsetting yeah definitely and I just really wanted to come home and have a good like a nice night out with my flatmates and my boyfriend and some friends from school so it was a lot of us and I was just yeah I was having a good time and then we went um we walked from our flat to whatever bar we were going to and it wasn't very long it was only like 20 minutes but within that 20 minutes I got I had two people yell things at me and I just like I I just broke down um I just couldn't stop crying I was just on this like just on the street like in a huddle with my flatmates um just I was so upset because I just thought like what have I done today is just like the worst day and from that onwards I was just noticing it more because if you've experienced it so con- like t- condensed in one day 
you're kind of looking for again, like because it's it's a kind of hyper vigilance, like the hyper awareness. Also, it's kind of part of the anxiety. You're just in that state of fight or flight all the time. So you're looking for threats around you. You're overthinking everything. You're overanalyzing everything, and you're noticing like how people look at you, and you're noticing how people are acting around you. Just very minute details. Um, yeah, so I'd notice things like people would be walking past me and they put their mask up. Um, there was a cyclist actually, just, I was on a quiet street and there was a cyclist had, headed towards me on the other side of the road. So it was like way more than maybe like five or six meters before between us. And they were zooming past and they put their mask up for the bit that they would pass, like the bit that they passed me in. Um, just things like that. Um, again, it's something you can't say for sure whether they do that to everyone. We say that to ourselves, like you don't know whether it was just you, whether they do that for everyone, but you know, because of it being repeated, that it must be you because people can be walking in a crowd with lots of other strangers and they wouldn't be doing that. And then they see you and they choose to do it then. And it's just very clearly because of you and how you look, because you look foreign to them and you're, you're Asian. Um, so I just avoided going out because I didn't want to see those things happen. A lot of people were noticing. I remember speaking to my friends about it and they were also experiencing that. And um, yeah, during that time I had exams and I just wanted to focus on my mental health and get through these exams. And it got so much that I actually just struggled a lot every day to study and to just function and go out and be healthy even mm-hmm. um and I've never I've never really had that before because it was so intense when I felt I felt like when I whenever I left the house something would happen and it kind of did it did happen I didn't even and people around me would notice it so I'd know in those situations it's not just me yeah. um yeah and so I actually ended up not passing those exams I failed and I had to retake the year and um, my reason was anxiety I actually saw a GP about it I had anxiety but nobody really made the link between the racism and the anxiety which I think is so important to talk about because racial trauma is like a new kind of term that's not an official diagnosis but it's affecting so many people around me and so many people in the world um, and they don't receive the adequate support that they need because the race the racial aspect of it is not addressed Mm -hmm. and it's a huge issue I mean just thinking about what you were saying in terms of um you know being being in the and being um racially abused while you were out I suppose from my point of view and, and as I already touched on I know a lot of people that are listening to this will probably be from the white community us stepping in because I would very happily have liked to have told them that they're total fucking assholes would you would that be helpful or does that make things just would that make your anxiety worse if somebody was to step in and defend you because I'm sure that's a question a lot of people will, will be thinking yeah I think it would definitely help me I think the thing that actually hurts the most is when something obviously is happening and everyone's just staring at you and they don't say anything Mm. or they act as if they're they act as if you're invisible and the fact that 
I go through life and I am treated as if I'm invisible a lot of the time and it's people still do it when I'm being abused like that it's kind of confirming to me that I don't matter so I think being an active bystander you don't have to yell at the person some people don't feel comfortable directly confronting the person because sometimes safety is an issue you need to save yourself like you have to maintain your own safety before helping other people right Mm -hmm. so there are other ways to help and you can check up on someone um, afterwards and see if they need any help there's the five d's i think maybe you've heard of them um no well it's probably best to explain to anybody listening anyway just in case okay So I've seen this for um, sexual assault. I did a a course for active bystander training for sexual assault and they introduced the five Ds. So it's direct, distract, delegate, delay and document. So those are all different options that you can take when you see someone who is a victim to sexual assault or racism or just anything if they need help. So direct is when you directly confront the person, the perpetrator. Distract is when you try and distract that person by changing the conversation. So I think the example that they gave us was there's an old lady saying racist things on the bus and you ask her for the time or you ask her to tell you like what stop it was. Um, Just small things like that to distract the um, conversation away. Uh, delegate is when you ask maybe like a member of staff or security to deal with it if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself that's a really good way and delay is when you wait until it's happened if it's not safe if you don't feel comfortable then you check on the victim afterwards and then document is when you film what's happening or you write down description of the person or just any kind of way which documents and it can be used for police reports or just for just in case the victim wants to make a report. So I think those are really important things. I think we want to do more active bystander training because it's so, so useful for any kind of situation, not just for racism, but for it's applicable throughout life um, to help people. So I think those are really good ways to help someone. I mean, I, I've definitely learned something there and I'm sure there's people that are listening that, that in those kind of situations. I mean, I'm I'm not scared of a bit of confrontation, but I appreciate that uh, there's not a lot of people that are necessarily in the mindset that I'm in. It's just my fiery Sagittarius nature, perhaps. But mm-hmm. um, I think that that will be really helpful for people that, as you say, perhaps aren't as confrontational uh, as I can be and think, right, well, how else can I help having that? list to hand or or understanding what they are they can then select from that list what's available to them and how they can they can intervene and um support the person that's obviously being attacked in a in a safe way because obviously you never know what the situation is going to be and you don't want that person putting themselves in danger so there might be another way of um being able to do that as you said in terms of like delegating or documenting so um is there anything that you find you have to do on a daily basis to protect your own mental health, to protect yourself, I suppose, from racist comments? Is there a way that you've learned to, perhaps digesting is the wrong word because it, it, I, that's almost suggesting that I think it's acceptable, but there must be a level of resilience that you've, I suppose, you've had to build um, as a result of people hurling racist abuse? Yeah, there's so many things that I've learned 
throughout this process, I started off with terrible mental health. Um, I was redoing the year that I had failed because of my mental health and because of this racial trauma that I had um, from the previous year. And I just didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to deal with it because I was trying to start this community for other people who need a community. I was one of those people, I needed a community, but there was no community out there. So I tried to make one myself. Um, it was a lot of pressure and dealing with people who were confiding in me and saying a lot of, sharing a lot of quite horrific details. So I, at the start, I was not coping because I didn't have boundaries. I didn't know how to tell people that I'm not in a mind space to talk about this. Mm. I just didn't know how to protect myself. I think really important things is you need to know what your boundaries are. Um, a lot of people who are activists, they have people around them assuming that because they're activists, they want to talk about it all the time. But actually we need to, in order to be effective activists, we have to take a break and have time away from it. Because if you're thinking about stuff like this constantly, you're going to burn out with any kind of work, even if it's, I don't know, like working somewhere, like, I don't know, even like at a till, you can't do it with 24 seven. Um, because I come home and I'm technically working, even though I'm not at work, I'm working by being online and speaking to people and still creating content. And stuff like that so that doesn't actually count as downtime even though it looks like I might be sat in bed on my laptop I need to yeah I got better at having offline time and telling people actually I can't talk about this right now can you contact me on my work email we've got a work emails to keep my dms and my work separate and just like have an out of hours like time so I'm not obligated to reply to anything after 6 p.m which I think is quite nice Mm -hmm. and just yeah um for our community we have a set of group rules so if people break the rules and they're disrespectful we kind of give them a warning and if they do it again we say sorry if you don't respect the rules you can't be here because it's a safe space and if you're disrupting that safe space you're going to harm other people you can't be here so we've gotten a lot a lot stricter at the start we felt bad about that uh, we didn't want to exclude anyone but actually if we keep those people in, it's damaging for everyone. Mm -hmm. So that was a really helpful thing. We restricted our Instagram comments because we had trolls all the time trying to confront us about and argue with us about different things. There was someone who actually created 30 plus, I'm not even kidding, 30 plus accounts on Instagram to harass us. And That's pathetic. Yeah. You know, just go out and do something better with your life than create 30 exactly. Instagram accounts. I'll tell you what, I wish I had time to create 30 different Instagram accounts because that just sounds like you've got a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, me too. So I say we... something a lot stronger, but I just, you know, <laughs> I'm just conscious of swearing too much. But yeah, there's a special word for people like that. Yeah. So we restricted our comments so only people who follow us can comment um, and randomers can't that that seems to be helping yeah so we don't get as many hateful comments and I know like at the start we were like we want to open the conversation we want to have a discussion we want to have a debate but actually we're just sharing our lived experiences there is no debate about that Absolutely. it's all it's all it's all valid no so, one can tell you that your experience didn't happen it's just how yeah it's like when people say 
when you say I felt like this nobody can go well you didn't well how do you know because it's how I felt so yeah exactly that way from me exactly yep and um other things is just the biggest thing that helped me I think is to find a community is to even though we created this community it's it's really nice being surrounded by like-minded people Mm -hmm. and it's really validating and it's so comforting because you know that you can fall back on these people these people have your back um, and they understand I suppose as well that they understand um, yeah. what you're going through whereas but as I said and I've touched on I, I can empathize with you to a certain extent but I, I will never really be able to um, relate and what you say won't completely resonate with me because I haven't experienced it I know we, you, we talked earlier about the comparison between being women and racism and I agree with you there's probably are some similarities but it will never be the same you can't you obviously can't compare them but to mm. have people who do understand yeah I imagine it's quite reassuring it's very reassuring and actually we wanted to include some like non-POC admins so like some some white admins at the start as well because we think that including allies in this conversation is so important mm. because without without allies advocating for us and without allies being concerned with anti-racism and actually fighting for change too, it becomes a bit of an echo chamber and it's just a bunch of people with a lot of trauma shouting at each other, but it nothing ever breaks out of that if there's no allies involved. So from day one, we said we wanted a few representatives from the ally community to be part of our team. And so they actually deal with a lot of our racist comments they deal with our trolls they deal with the really hurtful stuff they give us they review content and they give us the trigger warnings because they themselves don't have to take on the the burden like the emotional burden of that because it doesn't resonate with them as much that's been super helpful that has been so so helpful and having them on our team has just changed so much for us yeah so we work really well together um all as a team and we all say to each other that because we're not paid because we're not technically we don't have working hours we need to make sure we look after ourselves first so right at the start we said if you don't have time you don't have time just take a break whenever you want to take a break whenever you need to it's never a bad thing never apologize for it just do it because it's always going to be a good thing. So over the summer, because of the horrific year that we've had, we've just taken a huge break and it's refreshed all of us. And we've just had a first meeting two days ago and everyone's ready to go again. Yeah. Imagine if we tried to keep chugging along through the summer. I don't think we would be mm-hmm. in this position that we're in. So taking a break is so good for your mental health and just switching off and just not engaging. Like, for example, sorry if I'm rambling on a bit. No, 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 not at all. everything you're saying is so valid I'm learning so much and I'm sure those that are listening are so you carry on it's your you you're the one on the mic let's put it that way um so I have the racism unmasked account on Instagram and I have my own account and I used to follow a lot of east and southeast Asian activist accounts on my personal one because either I know the people personally or I know I want to be involved with my community I wanted to to be Um, informed but actually I realized after a while because of all of these horrible attacks happening not just here but other places I would just see it all the time and I'd log on to my personal account for some downtime just to scroll aimlessly and I'd see a picture of someone who has been beaten up and 
without any blurring, without anything. So I just unfollowed everything on my personal account. And I felt really guilty at first because I'm like, I'm choosing willful ignorance. Um, that feels terrible. But actually, I'm like, I've kept it separate. It's still there on the other account. It's just I can consciously choose when to go onto there. So I think it's a really good thing to have. I know some people don't, aren't a fan of social media. I think it's such a great thing to connect with people and spread your word wider. But you really need to protect yourselves on there because there's a lot of graphic content and a lot of graphic details. And sometimes you're just not in the right place to see it. Um, and maybe you'll never be in the right place to see it. You just, yeah, just stop because you come first. Absolutely. So what would you be your, and maybe you, you feel like you've already answered this, but what would be your greatest piece of advice for somebody that's struggling with, you know, regular racist abuse or somebody that has experienced a deep racist trauma? What would your advice be to them for ways that they can protect their mental health going forward? Mm -hmm. I think definitely find your community and find support services. There's a really, really good service in the UK um, run by Intercultural Youth Scotland. Um, if you search them online, they have a free counselling service for all people of colour aged 18 to 24. I know the window is quite small. I think there is a pilot programme, but they're hoping to expand it further in the future. You get like eight sessions for free, eight to 12 sessions for free. And that just makes such a massive difference because it's specifically for people of colour and it's centred around talking about race if you want to. You don't have to, but you can because these people are qualified to do that. Whereas with regular counselling and regular mental health, self-help and therapy, it's very white centred and you don't you might not get the the right um, help um, necessarily centred around racism. So if you find your community and you find the resources that you can use to help your mental health, that's a really positive thing. And also just join in the conversation because I felt like right before I started this, I was engaging more with the online community. I was seeing people say things that I've always wanted to say, but I've never been brave enough to say. And just seeing that gave me such a huge boost of confidence and such a huge, like, yeah, boost for my morale because I felt like I wasn't the only, sometimes it's very isolating. Well, a lot of the time it's very isolating to go through these things. I think it's just so great to find these people who are speaking out for the rest of us. Yeah, and it is very valid. If you feel like it is affecting your mental health, I've been there, I've done that. It caused me to fail my year at medical school and it meant so much to me to pass that year. But actually in the grand scheme of things, you can get better and you can find ways to cope. And I'm a year later, I'm in final year and I'm thriving. I'm I've, yeah, I've found a lot of different new friends and I think a lot of different opportunities have come my way. If I hadn't done taken that year out, I think I would have missed out on a lot. So mm -hmm. I, things may change, but I think embrace them and just focus on helping yourself first because it is very valid. Well, this has been an incredibly for me personally, it's been incredibly inspiring and insightful. And I'm sure other people are nodding their heads listening to this. So if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you and the work you're doing with um, Racism Unmasked Edinburgh, how can they find you or potentially get involved if they're, if they're up there? 
So um, I think we operate mostly on our Instagram. So that's just Racism Unmasked Edinburgh uh, um, with the at. Um, if you search us on Instagram. And then if you want to email us, it's racismunmaskededinburgh at gmail.com. Um, and you can also look at our website. It's just search us up on Google. And if you search us up on Facebook, you can request to join our community. That's um, where we share lots of different articles that we see around the internet and people get in really interesting discussions. And we focus a lot on allies, like anti-racism education and bystander training. So it's for everyone. It doesn't matter what age you are, what background you have, it's for everyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking. I, I appreciate a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is very personal and it can, in fact be quite triggering for you so I really appreciate you being so open and honest um, with me about, and helping me to shine a light on this really important topic and this really important discussion so thank you very much for doing that um, and for joining me it's been an absolute honour to have you on mm -hmm. um, to anyone listening thank you very much for joining don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode and I will see you next time <laughs> <laughs>